0: The popularity of pre-rolls leads to a $1.1 billion sales boom in 2020. So with the overall economy only growing at two to 3%, looking at cannabis growing at five times that amount, uh, easy to kind of take a look at why we're looking at cannabis and specifically pre-rolls being as popular as they are, gives us a good vantage point into the industry coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Today, we're going to take a look at a complete view of all of the fully automated commercial pre-rolling joint and blunt rolling machines out there on the market Uh, tire list out there. So we're just about 13 machines. We're going to run through most of those. Um, Some of them are only available for leasing. We'll get into all of that. So price and convenience are the top two factors that determine why people buy what they buy. Convenience of pre-rolls is no different. So uh, that makes it sort of irresistible, if you will, for a lot of cannabis consumers to look at some pre-rolls and the reasoning behind almost a 60% sales growth last year. So that went from 700 million in 2019 to 1.1 billion in 2020. So as I already mentioned, cannabis uh, economy is growing five times faster than the uh, U.S. economy. And the growth in pre-roll sales are outpacing the explosive cannabis market, which only grew at 54%. Now, this is from a survey from Headset working with Custom Cones to kind of Put out this data. Uh, They're coming up with a survey with top pre-roll products, which has been a hybrid of single strains, uh, basically every year since headsets started tracking that data. However, uh, right now we're looking at uh, infused pre-rolls up here. That's been a consistent trend upwards. More people going for a more bang for the buck, if you will, higher THC uh, for that. So that's been rising at least uh, you know 13% since 2018. And then we're also seeing multi packs, so people that want to buy uh, maybe uh, Indica Sativa hybrid or maybe different strains, people are wanting a variety pack. And so that's uh, growing um, for multi-pack pre-rolls 70% from February of 2020 until February of 2021, while single pre-rolls only grew 18% during that same time. So one of the first companies to make this fully automated was um, an Israeli based company called Hephaestus, that's the name of the machine. Um, they've been having a lot of troubles, though, uh, for commercial scale. So a lot of cleaning, a lot of um, you know issues, uh, keeping it working, I guess is the best way to put that. <laughs> uh, also, the uh, anticipated selling a lot more than they did. So they were thinking that there would be a lot more people that would be able to afford a three hundred dollars or $400,000 machine. Not the case. Cannabis companies are just way too reticent or reluctant to um, go out and, and lease it or buy it. They'd much rather use Futurola, um, which in my opinion is, is a terrible machine. This thing is $3,600. It used to be five grand. It's a tabletop. It's a shake weight. It um, doesn't pack. The, the cone the way that it should. Um, and just doesn't really provide a, the best experience. It's, it's a skew, it's a product, yes, but it's not leaving anything for people to want to come back to. And you need a team. Uh, I've replaced a team of 18 people on a pre-roll production line with one machine. So this has been a space I've been looking at for uh, since 2015, at least, uh, kind of tracking that and covering it. One of the competitors to the um, Futurola is the Rocket Box. So, very similar to the Knock Box, it does uh, have a, a shake system like many of these do. The difference here is that the um, STM Canna's Mini rocket box tabletop, really nice, just like the the Futurola version. But this has two, several different uh, vibration stages, so this will lift up impurities like seeds or stems, and then you can wipe that out. And that's important because you know I just was smoking on a hemp blunt, and one of the stems poked through. So you know if you're using one of these these grinders from Futurola or whatever, that's basically the equivalent to a weed whacker. Uh, you're going to get stems in there, and that's going to leave a really bad experience for somebody who's spending $40 on a, on a hemp blunt, for example. But this is a great alternative, a better version than Futurola, um, but definitely not automated. So you might get, you know, a half a dozen, four to six uh, different cycles in because there's so much to do to put the cones in each one and to grind it and to fill it. And the, you know, all of that stuff is, um, Is laborious; it takes a long time, so it's definitely not fully automated. The Hephestus, however, uh, this is definitely one of the first fully automated systems, and um, you'll see that just based on the way that this works, from um, you know the top-down feeders here to the the injection. the, the shaking, the twisting, the tops, all of that stuff was released back in 2015. I didn't hear about them until 2018. So they weren't doing any trade shows or promotions, press releases, nothing. I didn't hear about them for a couple of years. Uh, but once they did come out in 2018, uh, they were copied um, pretty hard. So I'm not really sure if they're going to be able to uh, survive the market because they're going straight to leasing. They're not even selling these anymore. They're only leasing them. I don't think that's going to be a long-term solution. People are not going to lease these things. So another competitor, the AutoCone system, um, very bulky. If you're listening and not watching, this is the equivalent to a washer and dryer, you know, an American washer and dryer stack on top of one another, uh, butted up. So four different, you know, ATMs, if you will, two stacked side-by-side and two on top of one another. It's probably eight feet long, six feet tall, uh, three and a half feet wide. So um, they're not small they're not gonna be portable. This isn't something that you're gonna be able to use for a mobile transport um, to do any kind of mobile processing for, for other farms and make pre-rolls for them because of the calibration, um, because of the, not necessarily the size, you can put that into a bread truck or you know U-Haul or whatever, but the calibration is gonna to take too long. All right, here's the cheapest one, 95,000 on here. Um, so definitely a lot more affordable than some of the other ones. Canna Automation has one very similar as well. A lot of these start to look very similar. As you start looking at uh, the shape and, and features, some of these companies actually don't offer this anymore. As I mentioned, there was a big shift towards leasing. Some of these middlemen uh, that weren't the manufacturers are no longer even offering the equipment. Uh, they thought that it would be easier to sell, uh, but again, due to the the high cost three to four hundred thousand for something that you can just use labor on um, is it's something that some smaller states are, you know, in the U.S. are going to use, but up in Canada, they want something that's that's automated. They also want exclusivity. Here's an interesting want to roll. This is one of the larger machines. Um, looks like it's got a, a higher output or, or yield. can kind of go back to the spreadsheet and find out for Paxium, three hundred thousand dollars for this one. Um, I don't have the throughput or output yet, so that depends on the cycles, but they're talking about 60 an hour, so that's very comparable to to some of these other ones. So this machine looks like it's a higher capacity. There's a lot more um, product canisters than some of these other ones for the product, and it looks like ultimately um, it's designed for for high producing. So this is something that Canada would probably want to take a look at um, if they want something that's just plug and play. But again, a lot of these features came from uh, the Hephaestus that that was pretty much the originating machine, but probably not going to be in business because they didn't understand the market. They didn't know that people weren't going to buy it. They didn't know how to lease it. They didn't know uh, where to go. So I don't think they'll be around. Cougar can. This is another um, high producing pre-roll machine, fully automated cone filler. Uh, They've got um, ultraviolet sanitization methods. So they're claiming that's going to help with shelf life extension. The thing that is kind of neat is they've got labeling, custom packaging. So a lot of these machines do not have packaging built in. So they'll just spit out the cone and then you have to hand pack it. So that's why some of these you want to take a look at. Uh, They don't have, a lot of them don't have grinders, for example. Um, So some will twist and fold the tops. Most of the good ones have a tamper in there and it's not just filled by uh, weight or volume that there is a a built in check waste system. Um, You don't necessarily need a built in grinder. I don't think that's necessary. But having the option to have um, packaging integrated with it, I think is something that a lot of these companies are going to need to adapt to. Blunts is another option. There's a lot of um, cigar companies that have been able to convert over. However, none of them want to work with cannabis. Uh, There was one company in Colorado, Honest Blunt Company, that was able to get a machine. However, whatever happened with that transaction, the manufacturer is no longer willing to work with the industry. So I've spoken with them back in 2015, but By that point, um, they weren't wanting to talk to anybody. So um, that's pretty unfortunate. It's also because of the stigma. So a lot of um, the tobacco growers in Latin America, a lot of the cigar buyers are not friendly to cannabis and none of the European companies want to even touch it. Uh, And so that's basically what's happened. However, a lot of the executives that I was talking to five years ago, some of them have left for cannabis companies. So (laughs) uh, they're just going to use the technology they know and build that from the ground up. Uh, And a lot of these tobacco companies are not going to be able to have that first mover advantage or, um, you know, maybe even they won't be able to pivot to stay relevant as tobacco kind of those numbers are deteriorating in sales while cannabis is going up. And if they don't move now, they're probably going to miss out because all of that technology is hundreds of years old. Um, And so not hundreds, but it's old. (laughs) Some of the newer stuff is great, uh, but they're not able to really have a lot of the patents to protect them um, because all of those things were, were already in play from, a long time ago, you know, eight, late 1800s or um, whenever these uh, Lieberman style overrolling technique was developed a long, long time ago. One of the more interesting products I think is Roll Pros. Their Blackbird machine is um, not as small, a tabletop obviously is, is not um, very small, but it's um, probably three feet long, two and a half feet tall and uh, two feet wide, something like that. Um, but what I like about this is it's cylindrical in shape, like a, like a blunt, like a cigarette. Uh, the reason I like that is because of the, the draw. The experience that you, that tobacco smokers get is a quote-unquote optimum experience, the optimum draw, uh, the, the pull. Um, it's a novelty to have a cone with cannabis shoved in at the top. That was just a novelty that somebody came up with to pack some in more at the top the the experience that people want to come back to more and more is what tobacco companies have known for a long time and that optimum experience comes from the draw and that comes from a cylindrical shape so that makes this product in my opinion the best option long term but a lot of people think that pre-rolls are the only way to go uh, once they figure out that this machine makes a better product they will quickly convert over um not only not only that but just uh, having something that's automated is going to be better as well um you know you get uh, better accuracy um a better product quality control consistency over and over you're not going to assuming you have a better grinder you're not going to have the stems poke through If you're just doing hemp, you can get the same thing um, from Evans McTavish. So this is a company on the East Coast that's been doing tobacco for a long time. They tried to convert over to cannabis, but it was too sticky. So they're sticking with hemp now. And they can do um, tobacco cigarettes with the spongy filter. Unlike Roll Pros, they do the cardboard crutch. This is more of a cigarette, which um, you're not going to get a lot of cannabis people Really liking or enjoying that filter—it's just too similar to cigarettes. So, another reason for the roll pros that I like them is they've uh, been able to figure out how to um, copy that crutch or that the the filter without being the sponge. So this machine is okay, but just know that they're going to probably put together a package that's around a million dollars because um, you know, with big tobacco, they have conveyor belts that lead, you know, six feet from one machine to another. And they think that you need their grinder for 60,000 to remove all of these seeds, but cannabis shouldn't have seeds. So it's um, again, it's not the same machine for the same industry. And so uh, just know that that million dollar, Um, invoice is really probably closer to 300000 for the machine. And it should be half of that, to be honest with you. So before we wrap this up, let's take a look at why pre-rolls are so popular. Uh, Obviously there's some history with with pre-rolls, being able to roll your own. Anyone who was growing it uh, enjoyed just a a nice little joint. That familiarity has kind of turned into trust to to some degree. So there's affordability, I think that's um, right next to uh, convenience, price and convenience, right? That's what everyone's looking at when they buy anything. So I think, uh, affordability as well as being able to try new things. So in addition to kind of being discreet, maybe looking like a cigarette, even though cones don't look anything like a cigarette at all, uh, there's some social acceptance to that still, you know, to some degree. Um, but again, there's variety. So you, you could try different strain. Maybe you don't know, you don't want to buy in bulk because you're not sure what that's going to do. So you buy a pre-roll. Um, another you know, statistic is that white women, 50 and older, are the number one buyers of pre-rolls. They don't want to buy a bong. They don't want to have anything. They want to be able to buy something and get rid of it. Although it stinks, it's something they can consume and get rid of without having uh, a ritual, without having to pack a bong looking like a crackhead or, or anything else. Um, It's also portable, they can take it where they want. um, And it's just ease and convenience. Demand for pre-rolls is only going to increase. We're seeing that already in the marketplace right now, Uh, expected to continue to grow. Uh, Sales of pre-rolls, they've been extremely strong since recreational started way back in Colorado in 2014. And we sell over a million a month uh, in a bad month here in Washington State. Back in 2016, Extremely popular back then between Colorado and Washington and Oregon. They totaled $158 million that year. Uh, Just in Colorado, pre roll sales were up 61%. Washington, they're up 278%. And in Oregon, they've amassed a 280% rise. Uh, 2017 growth was steady in all cannabis states for pre rolls. Oregon saw uh, over 10 million in the fourth quarter alone. That was 44% growth. Uh, and then Colorado's pre-roll sales grew by almost 30% with 21 million in sales. And Washington made 68 million exclusively on pre-rolls. So what changed in 2020? Cannabis was deemed essential business, but ordering kind of shifted. In California, they were able to take advantage of online orders and delivery. That kind of uh, made things incredibly unpredictable. Uh, customers and other places had to rush into the stores and and. Bought In bulk, even though there was a lot of uh, concern about combusting or even vaping, they thought that would uh, increase your chances of, of getting COVID. And so there was uh, still buying in bulk, but not as much um, smoking, there was a lot more edibles. So that was the, the shift in, in 2020 or at least that was the shift at the beginning of 2020. We did see pre-roll sales dominating market share later on in the year uh, in tune with vaping and edibles. Uh, Flower sales also started to to decline after the initial bulk hoarding. People probably just had to get through that like they had to get through their toilet paper. Last year, at least 31% of cannabis consumers bought pre-rolls, still incredibly popular. Research shows that Generation Z Uh, clearly has an affinity for pre-rolls. That's the most recent generation to um, become legal, uh, you know, 21 and be able to go into a legal rec shop. As we mentioned, infused pre-rolls gaining a lot of popularity. California infused pre-rolls were making up 28% of the pre-roll market. um, And that's even more popular now because these stats are a little bit old. Oregon's infused was only 5%, Colorado 15, and Washington was 18% making it even that much more important to have a fully automated solution for pre-rolls because it's one of the number one, most popular products, no matter where you go. There's, there's a few options out there. There's less and less as people shift their, their model, uh, their pricing model from, from sales to leasing, because everybody overestimated the, um, market. And now that you have all of these competitors all coming out at the same time, um, there's not going to be, they're not all going to survive. There's going to be some consolidation just like in the cannabis space in general, only this one, um, I think is going to cost a lot. There's a lot of investment obviously. And everyone thought that they were going to create their own. Um, you know, I, I was working with a Canadian company, um, who wanted to have exclusivity. And so they basically hired a German engineer. They hired me and we were going to create a machine for them. Uh, They're no longer in business. (laughs) Um, Agrima Botanical. They were publicly traded. They decided that they wanted to try and sell to dispensaries up in Canada that weren't licensed and they lost everything. Make sure you do your due diligence. Make sure you know what you're doing. Get the right product, uh, the right machine for the right job. Uh, And with that, we're going to roll this up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got.